regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad you're with us today. We are going to be talking about some infringements. Now, we were originally uh, going to talk with Mark Pinnock of Maryland Shall Issue about what's going on in Maryland. Mark's going to join us on uh, Thursday's Cam and Company because uh, he didn't get back home until after 2 a.m. This was a long, long uh, committee hearing in Annapolis on Tuesday. And uh, not good news for gun owners, by the way. But uh, we're going to talk with Mark about that on tomorrow's episode of Barry Arms Cam and Company. Today... We are going to talk about, um, well, we're going to talk about another infringement. Uh, This time, perhaps a First Amendment infringement. Yeah. What part of shall not be infringed do you not understand? This t-shirt is at the heart of a new federal lawsuit filed in Iowa. The uh, Des Moines Register reporting a uh, Johnson High School uh, censored a pro-Second Amendment t-shirt, according to the uh, claims of this student, uh, identified in this federal lawsuit uh, only as A.B. Um, according to the complaint, uh, A.B. had an issue with uh, her teacher, Thomas Griffin, uh, in his senior government class back in uh, August of 2022. Um, according to the complaint, two days before the student wore this t-shirt in question, Griffin, quote, had a discussion with the senior government class about their free speech rights or lack thereof while they were on school grounds. Griffin told his students that although they had some right to free speech, that right was, quote, extremely limited when these students stepped on school property. Griffin told his students that their teacher, in this case him, would decide what was acceptable speech in the classroom. And with respect to clothing, the lawsuit says, which was at the very core of the Tinker case, a case dealing with free speech that originated also in Iowa, a case, by the way, that Griffin had just talked about in class. Uh, Griffin told his students that he would not allow uh, students to wear any clothing that depicts guns, alcohol, or any other, quote, inappropriate material. The lawsuit goes on to say that A.B. knew that Griffin was wrong about the scope of the First Amendment, so the next time she had Griffin's government class on September 1st of last year, she wore a shirt to school that said, what part of shall not be infringed do you not understand, with a depiction of a rifle underneath. And, uh, yeah, we've already seen that photo, but there it is again. Uh, The lawsuit goes on to say that A.B. had worn the shirt to school before, with no complaints from students, teachers, or administrators. And A.B.'s brother, who graduated from Johnston High School in 2019, had worn the same shirt to school multiple times with no complaints. Lawsuit also points out that Griffin, who teaches the Bill of Rights, knew that the shirt was quoting the Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, and he knew that it was a commentary on gun control efforts. Nevertheless, the uh, lawsuit claims he uh, claimed that the shirt violated the school's dress code, and he removed A.B. from the classroom, sending her to the school administrator's office. So once she gets to the office... She ends up uh, having a discussion um, with uh, school administrators. Um, and at one point, uh, an assistant principal told her that the picture of the gun could be perceived as threatening. Uh, and even though that nobody but uh, uh, A.B., or excuse me, nobody but the uh, teacher, Griffin, had objected to the shirt, quote, we don't get to choose how our words or our actions make people feel. Yeah. So, A.B. contacted her mom, uh, Janet uh, Bristow, who uh, went to the school where she and A.B. spoke with the associate principal, uh, Zimmerman, associate principal Klein, and eventually the uh, principal of the school, Principal Woods. 
uh, A.B. and her mom explained to the three vice principals or the assistant principals that uh, A.B.'s shirt was quoting the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, a point that they uh, should have already understood. The lawsuit says it one that Griffin, a government teacher, well understood. Uh, but again, they responded with that, well, we don't get to choose how our words make other people's feel, how, you know, make other people feel. Uh, interestingly enough, the lawsuit says that that evening, uh, Johnson County School District Superintendent Laura Cater, or Caser rather, uh, called Janet Bristow, the student's mom, to apologize. And then shortly after that phone call, um, there was an uh, email from the school to apologize, stating that um, the uh, principal now, quote, recognizes that this is considered political speech. So the student's mom asked the school officials that uh, the teacher also apologize to A.B. and address the students in his class, since they knew that she had been removed from the classroom because of her shirt, and informed them that he was wrong in claiming that the shirt was not protected speech. Um, the lawsuit says without addressing the class, Griffin left the impression with the students that A.B. was wrong and that her opinions were not welcome in the classroom. And to date, he has refused to apologize to the student or to address the claim uh, or to address the class, rather, that uh, his wrongful removal of uh, A.B. from the classroom uh, should not have taken place. So the lawsuit is seeking some specific remedies here. Uh, a, they want a declaration that wearing clothing depicting a fire in a non-threatening, non-violent manner is protected under the First Amendment. They want a permanent injunction prohibiting the defendants from restricting students from wearing clothing to school that depicts firearms in a non-violent, non-threatening manner. Then they want some compensatory, nominal, and punitive damages, if possible, attorneys' fees and costs, and a cost under the Federal Rule of uh, Proce Civil Procedure 54 and any other applicable authority. Uh, basically, again, they, they want, it sounds to me like an apology. They want to make it clear that this was wrong uh, and that it won't happen again. Now, do they have a case? Well, yeah, I think they do. As the Des Moines Register points out, courts in at least two other jurisdictions have decided similar cases in favor of students. In 2020, two Wisconsin students sued their district after being asked to remove shirts depicting firearms. That lawsuit initially uh, dismissed by a federal judge who ruled that the district's policy banning images of firearms applied equally to pro and anti-gun rights messages. But last year, an appeals court reversed that decision, finding that wearing the shirts was a political statement and that the district needs more than just, quote, mere speculation to prove that wearing them will actually disrupt school operations. Uh, Eugene Vollett, UCLA law professor, First Amendment uh, expert, knows quite a bit about the Second Amendment as well. Uh, he was involved in that Wisconsin case. He pointed to another lawsuit 20 years ago against a Virginia school district in which an appellate court uh, there, quote, struck down a school's ban on clothing that depicts firearms in a very similar context. And uh, he told the Des Moines Register in an email, I think this lawsuit is likewise likely to prevail. I hope so. Interestingly enough, the Des Moines Register talked with um, uh, the woman at the heart of the Tinker case. That was that free speech case um, back in the 1960s uh, in which a, a student wore a black armband to school to protest the uh, Vietnam War and eventually uh, was, again, uh, disciplined for that, sued, uh, and eventually won her case. Um, according to the Des Moines Register, Mary Beth Tinker, uh, again, the plaintiff in Tinker versus Des Moines, says that uh, she thinks the Johnston district is likely to win. She said, quote, under the Tinker decision, there's ample room for the censorship of messages that impinge on the rights of others. The often overlooked second part of the Tinker test. 
Uh, and she said that uh, conduct by the student, which for any reason involves substantial disorder or invasion of the rights of others, is, of course, not immunized by the constitutional guarantee of freedom of speech. I have a feeling that Mary Beth Tinker doesn't really like the message. I have a feeling that Mary Beth Tinker uh, perhaps is, you know, a gun control fan and uh, therefore not necessarily inclined to view this student's T-shirt the same way she viewed her own black armband. However, um, that second part of the Tinker test that she talks about, conduct by the student, which for any reason involves substantial disorder or invasion of the rights of others. Well, wearing a T-shirt that, um, again, supports the Second Amendment does not infringe on any other rights of any other student. It's simply a First Amendment expression, right, of support for the Second Amendment. As for the substantial disorder, uh, again, according to the complaint, the only person who was bothered by the shirt was Griffin. The only person who disrupted class was Griffin, Uh, not the student. A t-shirt that, again, had been worn on multiple occasions by both A.B. and her older brother without any issue. Um, So as as interesting as it is to hear Mary Beth Tinker's point of view here, I'm going to side with uh, Eugene Volokh. Uh, over uh, a tinker and what I suspect, again, is her uh, anti-gun philosophy. We'll keep our eyes uh, out for any more updates on this story, but um, I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that Johnson County might try to settle this, or at least the uh, Johnson County Public Schools uh, might try to settle this before this case goes to trial. But we'll, we'll keep our eyes out for any more uh, updates. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a a tragic story out of Milwaukee where a police officer was killed in a shootout with a robbery suspect who had just been sentenced to probation. Uh, Yeah. And again, you know, we we talk about uh, these issues every day here on this program. A a criminal justice system that all too frequently uh, delivers slaps on the wrist to violent offenders. Uh, In this case, Uh, Police say that the uh, suspect, 19-year-old Terrell Thompson, uh, who was also uh, killed at the scene in the shootout with the uh, uh, Milwaukee police, um, had just recently been put on probation. Uh, According to what we know right now, Thompson was sentenced on Monday of this week to a year of probation after pleading guilty to a misdemeanor hit-and-run charge that had been filed against him in July of 2021. Uh, don't know if that was the original charge or if that was the deal that was offered uh, Terrell Thompson. But again, uh, he was a suspect in ongoing robberies uh, and had just been sentenced to a year of probation uh, for an incident that happened in July of 2021 when he was, again, uh, allegedly, well, not allegedly, when he was involved in the shootout with Milwaukee police, killing one officer, uh, wounding another, and losing his own life in the process. Today's Armed Citizen story from El Paso, Texas, where a uh, convenience store clerk shot an attempted armed robber, according to police. Um, Don't have a ton of details here. It happened about 1230 in the afternoon on Monday, so broad daylight. This wasn't, you know, some sort of late night uh, robbery attempt. Uh, at the uh, DK convenience store, officers called to the scene after getting a 911 call about an aggravated robbery. When they got there, they learned that the suspect had walked into the convenience store, demanded money, and then displayed a weapon in his waistband. 
The uh, store clerk, a uh, concealed carry holder, although that's not necessary in Texas given the constitutional carry nature, but uh, did have his concealed carry license, uh, drew his own firearm, shot the armed suspect at least once. Uh, Police say the uh, clerk is uh, cooperating, talking to investigators. Uh, The accused robber taken to a local hospital said to be uh, stable at the time. Um, The uh, public information officer for the El Paso police, Robert Gomez, says no charges are pending at the moment. The only person in in custody is the suspect. He said we're going to investigate it. Depending on what occurs, more likely it'll just be presented to the DA's office. Uh, But it's too early to make determinations right now. Well, it doesn't sound like that. I mean, it sounds like the early determinations are that this was a case of self-defense. That sounds like what uh, uh, neighbors and uh, folks who live nearby believe as well. Uh, One woman named uh, Maria Estela Ordaz telling local media, I'd say he was defending himself because it would have been his life or the life of the other guy who was going to steal. Uh, Brianna Junker, another uh, neighbor, said, I'm going to protect myself, too, if I was in that situation. You know, it's your life or his. And that's absolutely right. But, um, you know, under the sensitive places language that we are seeing in a number of blue states around the country, convenience stores and gas stations are among those prohibited places for concealed carry holders. So if gun control advocates had their way, this armed criminal would have walked into the convenience store. Now, sure, he would have been violating the law, but he already was violating the law. The convenience store clerk, on the other hand, would have been disarmed by the law as a concealed carry holder because it would be a gun-free zone, again, if the uh, anti-gun activists got their wishes. Finally today, our uh, good deed of the day, in the right place, at the right time, we'll be able to do the right thing. We'll go back to Iowa for this story. Another teenager, this one who uh, saved a man and his dog after the uh, man drove off a bridge, apparently, and uh, fell into the icy waters of a lake. Yeah, the 17-year-old was uh, apparently ice fishing. Uh, Joe Salmon uh, was uh, out on the lake when he saw this car that had fallen in the water. Uh, this was uh, East Okaboji Lake. Uh, that uh, Jeep driven by 83-year-old Thomas Lee, uh, who had been heading to his son-in-law's fishing shack with his six-year-old dog, Cooper. And they ended up uh, trapped in the uh, lake waters about three to four feet deep. Uh, thankfully, not you know too deep, but bitterly cold. Um, after Sam had noticed that the uh, driver wasn't getting out of the Jeep, uh, he called for emergency help on his phone, and then he walked to his car, stepped into the water, which went up to about his chest. Uh, Sam had told the newspaper he stepped on the rear bumper, tried to open the back door, but he couldn't. All the Jeep windows were closed. At that point, other uh, good Samaritans had stepped in to help as well, and uh, one gave uh, Sam a knife. So he was able to break the glass door or the glass window there in the uh, back of the Jeep. And from there, was able to first get the dog out. Um, Then the uh, 83-year-old driver uh, couldn't get out because his foot was stuck between the seat and the center console. So Salmon said he had to pull the console up to uh, free the 83-year-old who got stuck once more before he was finally able to get out of the car. Uh, besides Joe Salmon, the local sheriff's office says uh, 30-year-old Corey McConnell, 26-year-old Cody Harrelson, uh, 27-year-old Cody Chester, and 27-year-old Chris Parks helped pull Lee and the uh, dog to safety. First responders took uh, Lee to a local hospital to be evaluated, but thankfully, neither he nor his dog uh, were injured. Salmon, meanwhile, was treated for uh, minor cuts from the glass uh, as he uh, you know, worked to get the uh, man and his dog out of the vehicle. 
local store, gave him some dry clothes, and he was eventually medically cleared to uh, keep fishing, which he did. And it was a uh, it was a good day. He apparently got two fish as well as fishing a man and his dog out of the water. He said, I'm happy that the uh, man is okay and the dog was okay. He said, it was just crazy at the time. I've never done anything like that. Well, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. Uh, Joe Salmon, Corey McConnell, Cody Harrelson, Cody Chester, a lot of Cody's there in that part of Iowa, and uh, Chris Parks, we thank you all for your very, very good deed. That is going to do it for this edition of Marion Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. Again, tomorrow, Mark Pinnock with Marilyn Shally. She's going to join us. We're going to talk about the latest infringements on the right to carry. Coming down the pike there, it looks like lawmakers are intent on uh, trying to make life miserable for legal gun owners. Meanwhile, Baltimore, eight straight years of 300-plus homicides. Maybe they'll get around to focusing on violent criminals at some point, but uh, likely not this year. We'll see you tomorrow. Until then, I would encourage you to check out BarryandArms.com. We are uh, keeping you up to date on all of the latest Second Amendment news and information there at the website. If you like what you see, please think about becoming a VIP subscriber. Uh, give you a special code here. If you go to BarryandArms.com slash subscribe, use the promo code GUNRIGHTS. You're going to get a significant savings on your membership, and we're going to give you exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. News stories and analysis, because your support does matter. It really does make a difference. So thank you again. We'll see you tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.